0: living for Him. And I hope you're in that ballpark this morning as well, that you really are enjoying living for the Lord. There are a lot of people who have a completely wrong idea of what the Christian life is all about. They think of it as being restrictive and boring, just living according to a list of do's and don'ts and fearing that, that God is just waiting to crush us the instant that we step out of line, Nothing could be further from the truth. The life that God intends his people to live is one of grace, forgiveness, fulfillment, joy, peace, enthusiasm, value, purpose, gratitude. And we could go on and on with a lot of other good characteristics. Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He came so that we could really live. I believe that if you're truly following Jesus in your life today, you would agree with me that you are living, you are really living and and generally enjoying life. Enjoying God's abundant blessings upon your life. That was certainly David's condition as he wrote the fifth verse in Psalm 23. He's already written of his delight at having the Lord as his shepherd and being sure that he's not going to lack anything that he really needed. He was confident of the Lord's provision of peace and contentment for him. He expressed his gratitude that if he were to wander, that the Lord would restore him and then lead him in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In verse 4, we read that a, a great declaration of trust in the Lord's presence and protection while going through the darkest valleys of life. And David also begins talking to the Lord in that verse. Instead of just talking about him, the pronoun changes from he to you. and He's talking directly to the Lord. In verse 5, the shepherd is seen as a gracious host, caring for a guest. Uh, David sees himself as a recipient of God's abundant hospitality and blessing. Uh, God sees him and us as more than sheep he sees us as his people uh, people who are given a very special place of honor and blessing in his presence the shepherd sheep metaphor is not enough to express the gracious abundance that god bestows upon his people so it's expanded to a shepherd And guest figure here, and we read in verse five that David says, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil; my cup runs over." In essence, what he said: living for God is great. Anybody say Amen to that? It's a blessed life. It's an abundant life. It's an overflowing life, and that's what that verse is all about as well as many others we read in scripture living for god is grace that that, that's what he intended it to be he did not intend living for him to be dull and be a drudgery and be misery Uh, he didn't intend that, that if we're obeying him that that he wants to make us as miserable as he possibly can god really desires that that you and i enjoy living for him in order to do so we need to recognize it's not all about us It's about living for Christ, serving Him, following Him, uh, surrendering our life to Him, as the choir sang about this morning, surrendering all to Him. But as we we think a little bit more about this fifth verse, we we find that there are uh, several characteristics of the blessings that that God wants to abundantly bestow upon us. The first thing we want to look at this morning is the, the circumstances in which God blesses us, We'll talk a little bit about the certainty of the, the abundant blessings of God. And finally, we'll close out talking about the completeness, the fullness of the blessings that God wants you and me to have. The first thing we find is that, that David says, You prepare a table before me. Now, when he, we look at a prepared table here, prepared by God. There'll be a lot of prepared tables this week for Thanksgiving, but here's a table prepared... By God. And when it uses the term table, uh, the term is literally from a word for a skin that, that, that is laid on the ground. Back in the, the ancient culture of the, the shepherds and their tents, they, they didn't carry a lot of furniture around with them. Uh, they, they, they would spread tables on, on the ground, spread a cloth or a skin on the ground, and then people would gather around that skin. And that, that was kind of their table, that was where all the food was later on they even had had small tables were only about that high in fact the the table the lord jesus sat at for the lord's table was was probably a a very short table in fact we read about the people reclining around it. you didn't sit at the table you kind of reclined at at the table And, and david here is rejoicing in the fact that god prepared a table before him you know when you are preparing a table it talks about preparing a meal and preparing preparation of a special meal for special guests. And I'll tell you what, when you do that preparation, there's a lot of preparation involved and a lot of planning involved. I heard my wife and her sister on the phone this week talking about Thanksgiving. We're going to have somewhere between 50 to 55 people, thankfully, at my sister-in-law's house, not ours. I don't think we can fit them all in, but... uh, We'll be gathering that. They've got a large house, but the, it'll be taxed. In fact, I think I'm, about 20 of those will be munchkins and rugrats that will uh, be moving around there. Uh, but, but anyhow, they're talking about there's going to be three turkeys. Two of them are going to be smoked, and one's going to be roasted in the oven. There'll be a ham, 30 pounds of potatoes. Uh, my sister-in-law Rachel's already made several batches of homemade noodles that she's got tucked away to eat. Not to mention, everybody will bring different salads and other dishes and rolls, and uh, my daughter usually makes a couple of peanut butter pies that she brings to that. Uh, Anybody want to come with us to Fort Wayne? (laughs) Just to emphasize, there'll be a lot of preparation here, and I'm thankful for it. You know, that that preparation is a table for, for me, set before me, and I'm not the only one. But I'm one of the ones that gets to in, enjoy that and and benefit from all that preparation. I'll have to restrain myself that I don't benefit too much, especially from the dessert table. but it' it'll, it'll, it'll be good a lot of preparation. but, but we find and da- preparations in David's day were, were in some ways even more involved. you know anything they made was from scratch you know and you didn't just run to the grocery store to get things and And really the main course the meat dish you had to kill it and prepare it before you could could eat it but really none of this can hold a candle to the preparations that god has made for his people for you and me david acknowledges that here we can acknowledge it as well god began making preparations for us before the foundation of the world. He prepared a salvation for us before man was ever created because he knew man was going to fall and he knew we were going to need a Savior. He prepared this world for you and me to live in. He put the earth just exactly the right distance from the sun that it needed to be so that we wouldn't freeze, we wouldn't burn up. Uh, God did all of this preparation for you and me over in First Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10, we read the following. As it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't imagine the things that God's prepared for those who love him. And some people apply that to heaven and what he's prepared for us in heaven. But if you go on and read verse 10, it says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. It's talking there primarily about our salvation, that God's prepared for us and that he has revealed to us that that we can enjoy, we can benefit from. What a blessing. In in Ephesians chapter 2 and and verse 10, we find it tells us there that we are God's workmanship. Verses 8 and 9 tells us, by grace that we're saved through faith. Verse 10 goes on and tells us, but we're, we're God's workmanship. Uh, And we are to walk in good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, We we also find in Jeremiah chapter 29 and and verse 11, uh, God says to the Israelites, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, plan for you a future and a hope. Now, that was directed specifically to Israel, and it still applies to Israel. But it also applies to us as the people of God. God thinks about us. God has all kind of thoughts towards us, and and they're thoughts of good and not evil, and he's prepared for us a future and a hope. As we go through this life, we have a future that even extends beyond death, and we have hope all through life and then beyond death as well. We have a, a prepared table, and we find that it also speaks of a prepared table. It speaks of a a privileged table as well. We have a great privilege to be at that table, to be uh, asked to to dine in a Middle Eastern home was a great great privilege, and hosts would would go all out for their guests, and there could be advantages of that. The uh, and jesus talks about uh for the honored guest he would he would dip the sop that that's for the honored guest of course in his situation that was judas he was going to dip the sop for and it was one more appeal to judas from the lord jesus that that judas rejected uh so to to be treated in a middle eastern home is to be kind of like a king or a queen for the day people would go out of their way to really take care of the guests that they have in their home And, and we do that a lot in our homes as well uh, in the middle east there could also be some disadvantages to that and, and sometimes for missionaries on the field there could be some disadvantage to being the honored guest uh, former uh, seminary professor of mine john davis goes on archaeological digs periodically over in the middle east and and he writes of being invited to uh into the homes of one of the shepherds there actually into the tent and and, and he was the honored guest at the meal and Everybody was, was, was waiting for him to eat first. And he's, treat, he's just treated like royalty, basically. And they, they, they carry out this goat's head. And guess who they set it in front of? The honored guest. You know, the, the honored guest gets the goat's head. I've heard, read of missionaries. They get the monkey eye, you know, eyeballs and things like that because they're the honored guests. But I'll tell you what, to be the honored guest of God, What what a great, great blessing that is. Uh, The privilege of being welcomed into the presence of God is far greater. We find that Jesus humbled himself to meet our deepest needs. And God goes beyond our needs as well. He gives us so much above and beyond what we just need in this life most of the time. Now, there may be somebody here that's just kind of squeaking through. Getting by today. But for the most of us here as Americans, we have been blessed exceedingly abundantly, haven't we? And God's given us a whole lot more than just what we need. He's prepared for us, and he he gives to us a wonderful salvation. Sanctification, as he helps to make us more like Jesus. He gives us the privilege to serve him. He makes us in the image of God. He he works to, to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That's why everything's happening in our lives, to conform us to his image. And Jesus tells us that he wants to prepare a place for us. We talk about preparations. He wants to prepare a place for us. And one of these days, he's going to come again and receive us to himself, that where he is, there we may be also. What a blessing to look forward to that prepared place. But one of the other interesting things here, where does David say this, this, this table's prepared? In the presence of my enemies. Now, maybe in some of your families, you know, you can have enemies in the same, same group. Maybe it works that way. But, but ho- hopefully not. Hopefully not. But an amazing thing, it, it says that the host here, God, can, can provide for and prepare for, for his people right in the very presence of their, their enemies. That speaks of a blessing, uh, tremendous blessings in this life. You see, when we get to heaven, we won't have any enemies. But we do have enemies in this life, don't we? Satan hates us. We're the people of God. If you're a Christian this morning, Satan hates you. He's an enemy. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may get uh, The very term Satan means adversary. He's against you. He's alive and well. We get to glory, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. But right now, he's alive and well. God can give us his blessings, even while Satan's running around this world alive and well. We find that we have also other enemies. The the world system, even even rebellious believers sometimes, can be an enemy towards us. We find Jesus, when, when he's telling his disciples what's going to happen to him as far as suffering and dying, Peter says, not so, Lord and he's acting as an enemy of jesus at that time and jesus said get behind me Satan." so we we can our own sin nature works against us and there are many benefits of living for god that can be enjoyed right now though in the presence of our enemies may the blessings that we have we can enjoy now even if we're hated in this world even if we're rejected in this world we still have the blessing of of Fellowship with God, being able to walk with Him. Now, we need to wait for some things. We don't get rid of the sin nature until we get to glory. We don't uh, have our bodies changed. We still have mortal bodies, don't we? We, we still have the sin nature we have to deal with. But, and we wait for those things to be taken care of. But right now, there's still a whole, a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of blessing in living the Christian life, in living for God. He prepares for us a, a table, abundant blessing, and the very presence of our enemies. And we find all kinds of examples of that in, in Scripture. In the Old Testament, New Testament, God taking care of his people. And one of my favorites is, is uh, you have a fellow by the name of Haman who was an enemy of the people of God. Uh, he, he lived in ancient Persia. And he wanted to get the Israelites destroyed. He wanted to, uh, to, to get them annihilated, just like some other people around the world even today. A fellow by the name of Haman, and, and he's got a, an arch enemy by the name of Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai was a godly man. and Haman hated him. And, and Haman's going through all he can to get rid of Mordecai, to uh, get rid of the children of Israel, to eliminate them. He gets the king to pass an edict that the Israelites were going to be allowed to be attacked And that they they couldn't defend themselves. And he also gets an edict passed so that Mordecai is going to be hung. A gallows is prepared for him. But in the account in Esther, we find that in Esther chapter 7, that, that God has prepared Esther and got her in just the right place at just the right time. And she comes in and she tells the king what's going on. And to make a long story short, Uh, the people of God end up being spared. They defend themselves and they're spared. And God continues to keep alive the nation of Israel and the the line of the Messiah so that, that the Messiah couldn't be eliminated. And guess what happened to Haman? He gets hung on the very gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. God can take care of his people in the presence of our enemies. He could do it in Esther's day. He can do it in our day. He can bless us in spite of our enemies in the very presence of our enemies. You know, our, our God appreciates irony. You know what irony is? Irony is defined as a combination of circumstances or a result that is the opposite of what might be expected, like a flower blooming in a cliff or, or, or in the snow. You go out today and you say, ah, oh, there's... You know, there's this snow, but look, there's a flower popping up through it. You wouldn't expect to see that flower there. Uh, you wouldn't expect God to turn the tables on, on Haman like that, but he did. And God does that in all kinds of ways. He delights in irony. He, he delights in taking the base things of this world to confound the mighty. God delights in taking someone that's kind of an introvert and a shy like me and, and allowing me to stand before you in a pulpit today and share with you God's word. You know how that happened? That's, only, that's all God. That's all God doing something like that. God delights in, in irony. God, God used the rejected stone, the stone that the billers rejected. God delights in taking good care of us as people in a hostile environment when it looks like we shouldn't be able to, to continue to go on. He enables us to do that. We find that there's a, a certainty to God's abundant blessing. You know, there's all kind of people out there that will promise you all kind of things. You know, if you just buy this product, you know, this beauty product or this food or, or this kind of soap or this kind of cereal, you're going to have a healthy life. You know, if you just live for pleasure, if you just elect this person or that person, then you're going to have be tremendously, you get all kind of promises like that. And we find in our life, times that so many of these promises fall through, don't they? And, and it's sad sometimes when you buy into it and you go that direction you find out the failures that are there. I'm so glad that God's abundant blessings are guaranteed to us, our hopes guaranteed, because they're according to the promises of God. In fact, when we use the word hope in connection with God and his promises and his blessings, there, there's no element of doubt in connection with them. Now, sometimes we use the word hope and there, there's doubt connected with it. I, I hope the snow goes away tomorrow morning. Okay? I hope it goes up to about 45, 50 degrees and I don't have to shovel any more of it. I've already shoveled enough for the year. I realize it's just the beginning. But th- there's an element of doubt connected with that, right? There's no guarantee that's going to happen. But when God promised us to us eternal life, when He promises us forgiveness of sin, when He promises us that He'll never leave us or forsake us, that He'll always be with us, even to the end of the age, those promises are real. If He promises He's going to come and get us, if He promises the dead in Christ are going to rise one of these days, if He promises living believers are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and given glorified resurrection bodies, there's no doubt connected with any of that, is there? No doubt at all. God's blessings... His abundant blessings are sure. They're guaranteed. All the blessings of that prepared table are guaranteed. They're as sure as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find that lastly, that this, this, we need to consider the fact of the, the completeness of God's abundant blessing. David not only says that the table is prepared in his presence by God. God, you prepare this table before me. God, you prepare abundant blessings before me in the presence of my enemy. God, you also anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Uh, We find that anointing, the anointing of a head was a a, a great honor back then, a sign of honor and love and joy. It it was really kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, Spices and oil were mixed together. And oftentimes sealed in kind of an alabaster bottle. And when they were going to anoint somebody, they, they would keep this oil with the spices. That They'd keep it sometimes for years. But then some special occasion would come along or, or some special person would come along. And they're, they're going to be welcomed in the home as an honored guest. And they would, would break the neck of the bottle. And then they would pour this fragrant oil on the head of the person that's being recognized as the honored guest in the home. We find this was done for Jesus a couple of times, wasn't it? That was the lady that, that anointed his head. Mary anointed his head and also his feet. And uh, she was taken to task for that by some. But what a beautiful thing she was doing. And we find it was, as described, you're in Psalm 23. Bounce over to the 133rd Psalm. And we find a a description of an anointing process here. Psalm 133. Verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What a beautiful thing unity is for brothers in a family or brothers in the Lord. And then to, to give the illustration of, of the beauty, we find that he goes on and says, It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the beauty of the, the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. But particularly verse 2, it's a picture of the anointing of the high priest. And we say, well, what's that sound like with him having this fragrant oil poured over his head and it runs down his head and down his cheeks and into his beard? He said, That doesn't sound beautiful. That sounds messy. But but in that culture, that was a beautiful thing. It, When your skin gets dried in in an area like that, the the oil can be very good for the skin, and it was a a fragrant oil. And the the, the smell of the oil would stay, and it it would actually be a good thing if it got on on the beard or got on the clothes. And so it's a a beautiful thing that, that is described here with this anointing that takes place. And David talks about, you anoint my head with oil. It's a beautiful thing. with God recognizing David as an honored guest in his presence. And by application, you and me as well. And the only way we could become an honored guest in the presence of God is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that gains us access into his presence as we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus. We find that the, this anointing was a, a voluntary act. It wasn't required under the customs of hospitality now people were supposed to have their feet washed when they came to visit somebody in fact Christ kind of takes the disciples to task and and takes on another occasion takes the, the host to task you know you, you didn't provide any water for me to have my feet washed or anything like that but but the anointing was a voluntary thing that wasn't required under the under kind of the rules of, of hospitality and at the time Jesus was anointed, it was a voluntary thing And we think about what the Lord's, many of the Lord's blessings upon us are are completely voluntary. Think about it. What do we deserve from the Lord? Everything we have is voluntary. In fact, when it comes to his death on the cross at Calvary, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay down my life of myself. He volunteered. Nobody could cause him to leave heaven for us. Nobody could take his life from him if he didn't lay it down. The fact of the matter is god does far more than what is called for on our behalf you know sometimes you hear somebody complain about god generally an unbeliever i'll say what's god ever done for me let me start let me show you what god's done for you and let me start with jesus in fact sometimes maybe you think that way as a christian what's god done for me lately now what's the lord done for me I've got these problems in my life. Well, yeah, the the problems are there. God never promised we wouldn't have any problems. But boy, he sure blesses us abundantly, doesn't he? He says, you've anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You get the picture there? So much blessing that it spills right, spills right over. We're not talking about a carbonated beverage that you know foams up and spreads over here, but we're talking about the blessing to God. And in fact, the, the Christian life is the abundant life. It is the overflowing life. You have got a couple of verses of Scripture that, that refer to this. In, in John chapter 7, Jesus, on, at the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, on the day they, they used water in a special way, he, he gives the great... Uh, invitation there and he says that uh, he who believes in me as the scripture said out of his heart will throw li- rivers of living water uh, picturing an overflowing life here and in John 10 he talks about the fact that he came so that we could have life we could have life abundantly more abundantly Christ came into this world so that we could really live here and now and for eternity in luke 6 it gives quite a picture it says if we give faithfully to the lord it'll be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your bosom the same measure you give that with that measure you will receive back but what a picture you know god in blessing us he wants to uh press it down shake it and it's still going to be running over that's the kind of life he wants to give you and me uh, an overflowing life and the picture of that, the purpose of that, is a life that overflows with blessings so that our life overflows into the lives of other people. He wants you and me to be a blessing to others. And so he blesses us tremendously. The kind of life Jesus gives to his followers, abundant and overflowing. And if you're a Christian and not enjoying the abundant of blessing of God in your life, Very good chance you're not walking as close to the Lord as you should. I I hope you're not having an overflow of bitterness or an overflow of anger or an overflow of grumbling and complaining, but rather as a believer walking close to Christ. An overflow of the blessings in your life, recognizing how richly you've been blessed. Let that flow over into the lives of other people as they see Christ in us. We find that God wants his people to thrive. Doesn't want us to just survive, but to thrive. And living a Christ-centered, cross-driven life is life at its absolute best. You're living for Christ, it's life at its absolute best. God blesses his people abundantly. Let me encourage you this morning. Be thankful. Be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for when we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and we're living our life for Him. I would ask you this morning, if you are excited and grateful for the way that God has blessed you, would you just say amen loud enough for everybody else to hear it? I'm not lying, am I? I'm telling the truth here. It really is the best way to live. To know Christ and to live for Him. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior, you're not living for Him. You're living for yourself. Hear what we're saying and showing you from Psalm 23 this morning and also hear the word of these people that just gave testimony. Living for Christ, walking with Him, enjoying God's abundant blessing really is the best way to live. God really does prepare a table in front of us, full with all kind of blessings, in the very presence of our enemies. And He anoints us with oil. We're we're His honored guests. We're special in the eyes of God. We are so special that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for us, and now He wants to give us a life that's an overflowing life of blessing blessing the lives of other people around us as well if you're really living for christ you can't help but touch the people around you and have other people see christ in you heavenly father we thank you today for the privilege of being your people being your sheep you take such good care of us but lord also being special and honored in your very presence thank you for caring for us in this life and for eternity Lord, help us not to to wander off. Help us not to veer from walking with you. I pray there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that they might even surrender their heart and their life to Christ today, turning from their sin, repenting of their sin, turning to Jesus. Maybe they're living for themselves instead of living for Jesus. Maybe they're a Christian here this morning, Lord, that they trusted Christ, but at this point in their life, they'd have to say that they're, they're living for themselves and not for the Lord. Father, I pray you would use even your goodness this morning to draw them back into the walk of abundant fellowship with you today. Lord, bless us. You certainly have. We ask for your continued blessing upon us that we might be a blessing to others and help us to always be a grateful people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn with me tonight?